Well, and uh, of course, uh, we got started on that and we're going through uh, that study and everything that's contained in, in uh, the, the uh, celebration of the feast. Of course, we understand, we understand that was a part of uh, the Old Testament uh, economy and it served a, a purpose. And remember that when you read the book of Hebrews, uh, you read from chapter 7 all the way up to chapter 10, you'll find certain things that the writer, the writer of Hebrews is talking about concerning the tabernacle concerning the old testament but he he the way he draws it out is he 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 draws that picture out and and kind of is, is saying to the church that those things were a shadow of the things that were to come and what he's talking about was the new testament the 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 uh crucifixion what happened uh Amen. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that He did, and and how that was that was basically hidden in the Old Testament in the in the in the offering up of sacrifices and their approach in, in the tabernacle plan. But all that was was a shadow pointed to the ultimate uh, sacrifice, which was was Jesus Christ. So we understand that He said those were a foreshadow. Uh, the things that were to come so we we understand that doctrine was ba basically concealed in everything that they did now um, of course i did that study a while back a few years back and and just kind of touched the surface of it so we can get an understanding of what all that uh, uh symbolized or, or or what it you know what it stood for as far as the new testament but uh knowing this now and knowing this, that they fulfilled it in the Old Testament uh, economy. It was a literal fulfilling of the celebration of the feast. So it, we could look at it in a historical aspect. Does everybody understand that? It happened. God's promise to Israel when they got to the promised land. God's, the way God dealt with Israel when they got to the promised land. They were to adhere to what he, uh, what he had given to them in the law and even in the keeping of the feast. They're gathering together holy convocations. And so that was important because every time, here's the thing, every time they, they, they obeyed, they fulfilled his will. Okay? So that was little. We can look, at, look back at it now. That, that's history. That was the Old Testament. Now, now we're in the New Testament. Okay, so now we have begun. We've been in the New Testament since the day of Pentecost, right around 33, 34 AD, that long ago. The New Covenant was brought in, ushered in on the day of Pentecost. So we have been living from that time up until now. We are here what we call the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Right. Yeah. We're right here. Right here, right now. Okay? But here's the thing. The difference is this. They fulfilled it literally because it was a part of the 
Old Testament economy now, but it foreshadowed the New Testament economy. That's you and I. That's the church. But here's the thing. They fulfilled it literally. We're fulfilling it prophetically. Wow. Hallelujah. Okay? Remember that. God has never changed his plan even since creation. Even since creation. Here's the thing. I mentioned this, and I hope you took note. Everything that took place and how God responded to everything that he created on the earth, even what happened to Adam and Eve. Now listen to this. Even what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God, the way the Lord dealt with it, everything from that point on was basically, he dealt with it according to his, the law of creation, and of course, according to his law. When I talk about his law, remember, uh, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, there was, there was ceremonial law. There was a law that, you know, they, there was a certain type of sacrifice they had to come to bring first and be offered. And all that took place, uh, different types of sacrifice. Uh, not all blood all the sacrifices were blood sacrifices. There were some that were not blood sacrifice as far as the, 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 the drink offerings and all that was concerned. But yet, when, when, you, when you take a look at that and, and we come to the point where there is uh, moral law and civil law. Everybody get that? Moral law and civil law. Moral law is, is basically our relationship with God. Hmm? Our, our, how we, how our relationship with the Lord, how we walk before God. If we walk before Him the way we should walk before Him, we will be morally right people. Huh? And, of course, the civil law is the relationship between us and our fellow man. That's how we can live with one another. Okay? Jesus said, when, when asked about what is the greatest commandment of, of, of all, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. That's the moral law. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the civil law. He said, he said upon these hang all the law and the prophets. So we under, he said, upon these, all the law and the prophets are suspended. In other words, that's the area that once you and I have established our relationship with God, because we obey and we are led of His Spirit, we will live in this area of uprightness. Am I making sense? Yes. Hallelujah. Okay? I'm saying all that to say this. All that was contained in the celebration of those feasts. Now, when you when you go back, and of course, uh, I might go just a little bit, I might deviate just a little bit this morning, but I want you to understand the significance, okay? Uh, we laid the groundwork already. We laid the groundwork concerning the three times that they gathered together. They were instructed to gather together. Of course, we... Uh, if, if I could get you to remember the scripture in the book of Deuteronomy 16, 16, where he said, three times are all your males to appear before me 
They're not supposed to appear before me empty-handed. They have to have something to sacrifice. Okay? So three times out of the year. So when we take a look at that, that commandment, three times out of the year. So the first time they gathered was, of course, during the month of Abib, which is, you know, related to our month of April. That was the, the first feast of all was uh, the Passover, which symbolized the crucifixion, uh, unleavened bread, the, the burial uh, of Jesus Christ, and then the first fruit, the resurrection. So, death, burial, and resurrection in the first month. Everybody say first month. First, first okay, month. so here, here, here we, have a, we have an introduction in, to a number. Now, I don't know if any of you have really understood or have really looked into uh, Hebrew alphabet and num the numbering system, but it is unique and, and very significant. It's, God uses even that system to basically, the whole world is structured on his numerical system. Hmm? God's a scientist. Amen. He is the scientist. Amen. He is the biologist. Amen. He is the mathematician. Amen. Amen. That's where all this, this intellectual jazz came from. He's the source of all knowledge. Hallelujah. And wisdom. It came from him. But man has kind of taken it and they've just kind of veered off a little bit. Or I should say quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So they're, they're significant. So when we say the first month, the first month. Now here comes the second feast, the second celebration they were, they were to meet. And that was going to be in the month of Sivan, which is June. And then that month was the Feast of Pentecost. So we have one and then we have three. Pay attention. One and three. Everybody say three. three. Okay. So, and then after that, the, the third time they were to congregate was in the seventh month, the month of Tishrai, or uh, uh, the other name it's known as is uh, uh, Ethanim. Okay. That, that's related to our October. That is the Feast of Tabernacles. That started out with the blowing of trumpets. And, and we're going to get there. We've come up to, through Pentecost. That started out with the blowing of trumpets. And then the Day of Atonement on the, on the 10th. And then, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles beginning on the 15th of that month. Okay? But, you know, here we go. Here we go. One. Three. And now we have seven. One. Three. Seven. Here's the thing. I'm not, I hope I don't confuse any of you. But one will always point you to three and seven. Hmm? Three will always point you to one and seven. Listen to this. Seven will always point you to one and three. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. 
these, these numbers have a relationship. They have a relationship. They're significant. That's why the Lord said, one, first month, third month, seventh month. They represent him. Okay? The significance and the meaning of numbers. Okay? The patterns of seven and three and how they relate to one another is revealed from the very beginning. And, of course, they teach us vital truths about God and the universe we live in. So everything is based upon his his spoken word. The Bible said, and God said, and it was so. So everything is a, is a result of God's spoken word. Now, here's the thing. His creative word. Huh? Everything is created by his word. He spoke it and it came to pass. And, and you read that in the book of Hebrews. What talks about that? Amen. And so as a result, here's the world is. So the world right now is actually structured. Is everybody ready for this? And function functions according to his creative word. Ooh, I heard a man talking about the revolution of our solar system. And of course, scientists can, the best they can do is speculate. Or shall I say guesstimate. And, and of course, to him, the pattern and revolution of, of our soul, in our solar system, now that's not talking about the, the uh, soul systems that are adjoining our solar system. He said, according to the patterns that he's noticed over, and, and this is quite a few years of a, a longevity study, he said, our soul system re, uh, rotates our orbits in, in, in this, uh, around the sun. And he said, if we could put that, it's, it's like 13,000 miles per hour. That's, and we see we're here on earth, but we can't tell, can we? But he said, in relationship to all these other solar systems, he said, guess what? How come it's, there's no chaos? How come they haven't collided? Huh? He asked that question. How come? He, here's a scientist saying, how come it hasn't collided for some reason? It, it, you know, it, it, something should happen to where it go. It veers off course. And if it collided, guess what? Chaos, destruction right. on a massive scale. Right. He said, but there's a reason why it doesn't. Well, I'll tell you that reason why. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. That's right. Our God. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, now here's... Here's, here's the thing now. You go back into Genesis 1. And, and you go back into Genesis 1. And uh, you see that in, in uh, the first chapter there, as far as creation, a lot of people never pay that close attention to it, I guess, and never really understand uh, specifically but it, it gives us a, it, it gives us insight. Okay, Genesis 1.14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for, what? Signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So God put this all in place. And they serve a purpose. Right. 
Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. In other words, guess what that, guess what? Here, here is God. Now, here, here's the first thing. The, the first thing about number one is this. Listen to this. Number one means, first and foremost, <clears throat> it points mankind to God. The Hebrew, Yahweh. Of course, they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, uh, I'm not saying that they're, they're, they speculate. It's just that in the Hebrew language and in their, their letters, uh, when they talk about God, Yahweh, Yahweh, they spell it eight, uh, W or Y H W H, with the exclusion of certain vowels. Why? Because they said if they would mention even mention that name, they were basically fearful of it. So here we hear. So here, here comes the word Yahweh. Yahweh. Okay, so what Yahweh means is this, the eternal one. Huh? The eternal one, the self-existent one. He existed before anybody was here. Okay, the holy one. So, number one always points to him. Okay? So when we see that number one is basically we can refer to as it points us to him. It gives us the understanding of who he is in relationship to, to us. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we, we, we get that revelation. Well, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter uh, six uh, just to just to take you there, just to read it. And, and we understand uh, this is. Uh, what we call the Shema, Shema, Shema. I've heard people say it different ways. Shema, Shema, and that's that's how it's spoken in Hebrew. I even heard a guy put a little twist on it. He said the Shema, and he was Jewish. The Shema of Israel. Okay. And you know what that word means? It means here. And, and that's how this starts out in verse number four. Uh, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So the first thing we understand about him is this. He is one. He's one. He's not two, he's not three, he's not four, he's not five. He's one. There's only one of him. Woo. So that's why the number one is significant. Okay, and I, I don't want to go into that today. Uh, later on we will, Lord willing. But even to introduce what that number one is, when it, number one also depicts uh, seed. And when you take that seed... And once you plant it, how many knows what you would get if you took a seed, like for example, a seed that was a seed to an orange tree? You would that one seed, that one orange tree seed, if you plant it, it would become an orange tree, wouldn't it? But here's the thing: 
we, we can take a look at that seed. We can put it in the ground and we see it as the seed. That's, that's how we see it. It's just a seed. But did you realize when you plant that seed, what's going to happen? That seed's going to grow into a tree. Huh? It's going gonna, it's gonna to have uh, roots and, of course, what, whatever, you know, the, the bark and, and the leaves and then the fruit. So that one seed, when you plant it, what it, it becomes a great seed, uh, a tree. So we can see, and we can even partake of the fruit on it. See, one always does that. Woo! One always does that. What did Jesus say? Except you take a corn of wheat and bury it in the ground, it abideth alone. But what did he say? It bringeth forth much fruit. In other words, unless you, you plant that seed, it's not going to bring forth fruit. It's got to be planted. It's got to be buried. And what's going to happen? It's going to become, it's going to bear fruit. That's how one begins. One has begun in your life. When you hear the word of God and you believe God's word, you say, I believe it. I believe it. And you take that seed and you plant it. Like, like Peter said, we are born of, again of uncorruptible seed. Huh? By the word of God that liveth and abideth what? forever. So we take that seed. If it's planted in here, if it germinates, it, it'll, it'll grow. It'll become fruitful. Guess what? That one seed will grow in us. We're going to see some fruit in our lives. Are you getting that concept? That's why, here's the thing about Christianity. And I'm not going to use that term loosely this morning. The world likes to use it loosely. But the people of God, the Jesus name people of God, we know what that means. Because when we, when we obey God, we're going to find out, guess what? Our lives are definitely going to change. Huh? Yes. You're not going to be the same old person you used to be if you keep on planting. If you let that seed be planted, it's going to grow. It's going to flourish. It's going to bear fruit. You're going to change. Amen. Are you getting me? Amen. Okay? So we understand that. Okay? So uh, 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 one more scripture verse. We'll go to, uh, well, we'll go to a couple more. Uh, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. And uh, in the Old Testament, I'll let you get there and I'm going to get a drink of water here. Isaiah 43, and we'll look at verse number, we'll start with verse number 10. <clears throat> Is everybody comfortable in here? It's not too warm for everybody. Are you comfortable? Yeah. For some reason, it feels a little warm up here. I don't know. Of course, it's not blowing, so. Hallelujah. It's going to be a nice day. Amen. Okay, Isaiah 43. And we'll start with, uh, where am I? Verse number 10. It says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. 
I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Wow. Yeah. So in other words, in other words, he's one. Right. That's right. He is one. This one. Okay? You go over, uh, last of all, for this, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and, I, and everybody probably knows this, this one by heart. You could probably quote it. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 5. I'll let, you, I'll let you get there. Let your fingers do the walking. In Ephesians 4, verse number 5, look what he says. Remember, we're talking about number one. Right. Numero uno. Right. <laughs> In our Lakota language, we say one G. One G, just one. Okay, look what he says in verse number five. There's one Lord, just one. Everybody see that? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's just one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Not many lords, many faiths, many baptism, one. So, so we see the significance of this. This all talks about one always points to him. One always points to who he is. Okay? So we understand that. So now, so now that we see that, now we look at the significance of number one, how it begun there in the, in, in the feast with, with uh, of course, Passover. Passover pointed to his crucifixion. He was the Passover lamb. That's what John said about him. Amen. When he seen him coming, he said, this is... Uh, the Lamb of God. And so we understand that that gave man understanding of who he was, who he is, and what he came to do. Amen. He was going to shed his blood for you and I. He was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. Hallelujah. And so when that happened, of course, right after that was unleavened bread. They were instructed to, to uh, take all the leaven out of the bread, had to eat unleavened bread for seven days. What did that symbolize? And, and during unleavened bread, that was the planting season. The seed had to be planted in the ground. So guess what that represented? Death, burial. His body was put in the ground. Three days later, guess what? Three days later from that, from the planting, was the offering up of the first fruits. Huh? So here we have death, uh, Passover, unleavened bread, uh, first fruits, death, burial, and resurrection. Number one. That's how it begins in our life. Huh? All right? So, so just kind of let that settle in your mind a little while. Okay? So, so here we come now. Here we come to number three. The third month. Of course, we, we talked about that. We talked about uh, the third month. What happened in the third month. That's after they left Egypt. They left it during the month of uh, Abib or Nisan. 
And by the time they got out to Mount Sinai, it was the third month. We read that in the book of Exodus. In the third month, in the same day that they left out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai. Okay? So here they come, and God is getting ready. And, and you, he instructs Moses to tell all the people of Israel, tell all, your, all, your, all the people to sanctify themselves, because in three days, now look what he says, in what? Three days, I'm coming down on the mount. Woo! So one and three. On the third month, here they are. They get there. He said, okay, I want you to get ready because in three days, I'm coming down. The third month, he says, three days, I'm coming down. I'm coming down. Of course, we understand the first time when they did it, what did he do? He gave to, to Moses the tables of stone with the Ten Commandments written upon them. Hmm? We understand that. The law was written upon tables of stone. But yet, it was definitely significant because when Moses went up there to get the law, Moses had to ascend and go up to, into all that noise and Thick darkness, all the clouds, all the lightning, all the, the thundering, and all the, the sound of the trumpet, and even voices. They, it, it was just, you know, just something they'd never seen before. He was, he was ascending up into that, into that mountain to get the law. So it was basically, they witnessed, they witnessed the power of God. Okay? I'm a firm believer in this because I know, and I'm, I'm sure everybody here can attest to this, everybody here that has the Holy Ghost. And if you pay close enough attention, if your eyes are on Him and you're not distracted, if you have an experience with Him, can you imagine what those Israelites must have, what was going through their minds when they were looking up at that mountain and they are saying, oh, Uh -huh. You hear all that lightning and thunder, thick clouds, darkness, fire, because there was fire up there. Did you know that when they discovered Mount Sinai and they went over there to Arabia and they discovered Mount Sinai, did you know that the, the people that discovered it said the mountain from the peak of the mountain, halfway down Mount Sinai was scorched. Now, why would you, why would that mountain be scorched? Huh? And, and they, they took videos of it, and they took pictures of it, and, and it, you could see it as clear as anything. You could see the top of that mountain was, was black. The bottom of it was the color of all the rest of the mountains around it. Why was that? Because the Bible says he descended on that mount, and there was fire, huh? And thick clouds, and and, and blackness and, and thunder and lightning and his presence came down and, and, and all those people are probably looking up going, here's, here's the thing. Oh, man. I, I don't want to have to get off into something. I feel the Holy Ghost if that's all right. All right. Here's the thing. When they, when they came out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of a cloud. 
in the daytime, they were led by a pillar of the cloud. Hold on to your seats now. They were led by a pillar of the cloud during the day. In the nighttime, there was a pillar of fire. That was the manifestation of God. That he, he wanted to let them know, hey, I'm with you. Right. What did Jesus say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. My presence will always, but you know, they actually seen it. Right. And whenever that cloud moved or whenever that pillar of, of, a, of a cloud moved or that pillar of fire, guess what they did? They followed it. Right. And so here, here was a manifestation of God. Here was a witness of God's spirit. His presence with them. Now here, here it, it leads them. They come to Mount Sinai. And here, if that wasn't enough, if, if not seeing that cloud and that, that, that cloud of, of, of that pillar of smoke and the pillar of that, if that wasn't enough, guess what? When, when he descended on Mount Sinai, here was all that noise, all the, the trumpets, all the voices, all the, the fire and the lightning, all this. If that wasn't enough, then following that pillar of fire and, and, and that cloud, here comes that which descended on Mount Sinai. Wow. Now here, hold on to your seats now, because I hope you're hearing this. His manifestations in our life are always progressive. Yes, that's right. Amen. That's right. That's right. When we think that we've seen enough of God, you are wrong. That's right. You are wrong. You haven't seen anything yet. Because the manifestations of God are progressive. He'll lead us from, like he said, from faith to faith. Are you listening to me? That's how it happens. So, so, so church, guess what? We need to wake up. Because God obviously wants to do a work in us. And it's not going to diminish. Okay, I said that to say this. Three represents supernatural witness. Wow. It represents supernatural witness, which means the workings, the strength, and the wisdom of his spirit. It represents supernatural witness, which means the workings, strength, and wisdom of his spirit. Okay, listen to this. Which is far above and exceeds that of any other spirit. Everybody listening? Whether of men or of the adversary, the devil. Okay, you want you want scripture for that? Let's go to Exodus 19. Everything I was just talking to you about. Hallelujah. Exodus 19. <clears throat> go there and we'll read in verses. Uh, we'll start with verse number 10. Look what it says. Isn't it wonderful to know our God's not dead? 
He's not a, a figment of anybody's imagination, really. And maybe in some people, that's how they think of him. But guess what? Our God is not dead. He's alive. Right. And, and, and of course, you, you, verse number 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Here's the thing. Whenever we come into the presence of God, we need to be we need to be clean. Hallelujah. We need to be sanctified. We need to get all the things out of our mind, out of our spirit, out of our body that defile us. There's sin that defiles us. Certain things that we have allowed in our life, we've lived, of course, we were born in sin, so we just lived that life. So those things, you know, are what basically try to keep us from living for God. So we need to cleanse ourselves, like Paul said, from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. All right? So sanctify, that's why he said sanctify. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I was thinking about that, and, and I thought, and this was, this is a long time ago. Somebody says, how come I can't see God? How come I can't see God? How come I can't understand God? Huh? You know what Jesus said? The pure in heart shall see God. Right. So in other words, if, if you remove that which defiles you, if you remove the corruption, the filth of immorality, of sin, of the world, you know why? Because you won't be able to see God unless you get all that out of the way. Then when you are sanctified, you are made clean, the pure in heart shall see God. Now, I, I went to school for psychology. I have a little head knowledge. But a lot of people, you ever wonder why? That's why I'm, you know, I, I know this. Of course, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't realize this until I began to mature in the Lord. But the, I'm glad that uh, I, I was at least naive enough and humble enough to always let the Spirit of God lead me. And, 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 and there are times when I knew when my will was trying to intervene and step in my way, and I, and I would pick that up. I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not the Lord. That's me. And so I would repent of that. Your, your body, your flesh will always do that to you. Your flesh will always hinder you or try to hinder you. And, and so... Uh, you know, I, I would I would deal with that, and 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 you know, a lot of people are, are in that place right now where they can let that happen to them, and once they do, once they remove that, once you remove that, you know what? Here's the thing: we would never question or accept God's will, huh? We would willingly accept God's will. We would never question. 
if we get that out of the way. That's what stops us. I've, I've talked to, you know, people, uh, believers. I've, I've talked with ministers about the word. And, you know, sometimes it was like, you know, I was kind of surprised because why would you want to question God's word? I thought to myself, I, I don't want to question God. Huh? Why would we want to question his word? You know what? It, why it is? Because that's a part of you, not a part of him. Hallelujah. And so I've understand, I understood, you know, all we need to do, like the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. Accept his will. Accept his will, and you're going to find out God is going to bless you. Amen. Okay, I said that to say this, okay? So we understand. Uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse number 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount, upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mountain, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be a beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mountain, or to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes, and they said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So here we see, on the third day, here we see, amen, a manifestation of his presence. Praise God. Amen. A witness, a sign of his presence. His working. Amen. You go over into uh, Isaiah chapter 8. And you read here in Isaiah chapter 8. Hallelujah. And I, and I used the scripture not too long back. In verse number uh, 18. It says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Zion. So, like the number three are for signs. It's a manifestation, like we said, supernatural witness, which means the working strength and wisdom of his spirit 
So we see that. And then you go over there into uh, you go over there into the New Testament in the book of John, chapter two, and uh, book of John chapter two, and verse number eighteen. There, it says this in John chapter two, verse number eighteen. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us? seeing that thou doest these things. What is going to be the sign? What are you going to show us? Look what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Hallelujah. So here we see, it's working. It's working. His miraculous work, and of course, they thought he was talking about the temple because they answered him and they said, hey, 40 and 6 years was this temple in the making. With all reared up in three days? Seems like man always misunderstands the word of God. Yes. Huh? He wasn't talking about the temple that was there on, on, the Mount, uh, on Mount Zion. He was talking about the temple of his body. You destroy, you destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it up. In other words, hey, you're going to crucify me and kill me, but guess what? Three days later, I'm coming out of the grave. It's working. It's miraculous working. Okay? So we see that. Here, here's the thing. Uh, you go in the book of Revelation, you go in the book of Revelation in chapter 16, Signs are even, even the, the miraculous, even the, the working uh, of the miraculous are even, uh, how could I say, um, are used in counterfeit by the devil. Hmm? Here's the thing. The devil even has to obey God's creative work, his law. He knows that. But you know what? He'll always try his best to try to uh, hide, conceal, or delude, or, or change God's word. Amen. And we see this in, in, in Revelation 16. We see this uh, in verse number 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the, the mouth of the false false prophets. Now look what it says: these three unclean spirits, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So here we see three, but yet you know they're they're, they're counterfeit. Everything God does, the devil's going to try to even try to copy the what God's doing. Amen. And so we see that. Okay. So that number three symbolizes, of course, again his his workings, spiritual witness, a supernatural witness, his workings, his strength, his wisdom, 
all this. Okay, so that's what number three is. So, so remember this. Uh, remember this. Oh man, that clock is, I keep forgetting. We forgot to turn that clock back. Or up. <laughs> I was thinking, boy, time sure going by slow. <laughs> Last but not least, seven. Number seven. Seven represents God's completeness and perfection and rest. So here we see you come to the seventh month feast in, in the Feast of Tabernacles, which prophetically that is the only feast prophetically that has to be fulfilled in the church. Woo, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus referred to it as the greatest feast of all. It's greater than Pentecost. He called it the greatest feast of all. And in that feast, it begins with the blowing of trumpets. Of course, we're going to get to that. When we get to that, you're going to be amazed. And the Day of Atonement. Woo! And then tabernacles. How it all falls into place prophetically in the church. How it leads us to that coming into the millennial reign of Christ, the last seven-year period on earth. The 70th week of Daniel. All relates to that time period and guess what right now I believe this because prophetically all the prophecy concerning Israel returning to their nation of course back in the last century 1948 all that has been happening everything taking place over there even with the countries that it talks about in the book of Ezekiel that are going to come against Israel right now and I believe this because certain things have already been fulfilled we're, we're at the threshold of coming to the 70th week of Daniel. Amen. I agree. Amen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so here, here comes the greatest feast. Now remember, the greatest feast wow. is everybody listening? Amen. Wow. I've heard so many people say they want to get close to God. I've heard so many people say they really want to know God. There's so much working at this particular time and what's going to happen during this particular feast. That's why the number seven, completeness and perfection, maturity. huh? Maturity, perfection, and guess what? Rest. Hallelujah. And this is, this is a time that is by His wisdom. Let me tell you something. The Lord knows what He's doing. Yeah. God knows how to give His people an opportunity. Right. He knows how to speak to His people, to His creation. Right. And He knows if we really have a heart, if we really have a desire to want to draw closer to Him. This is, a, this is a, one of the feasts that I believe that in its working... If we obey, 
if, if we obey and fall into the will of that feast, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be drawn to him. Here's the thing. We, we, we've seen some we've seen some tremendous moves of God. We've been parts of revivals where we've seen the supernatural. We've seen the manifestation of God's presence. We've seen the Lord minister in you know so many different ways, unbelievable, miracles. Miracles of salvation. People coming to the knowledge of the truth. People being receiving the Holy Ghost. Being baptized in Jesus' name. And healing. Miraculous healings. Things taking place. We've seen that. And, and of course, you know, we could always relate to a lot of these experiences that we've had in the Lord. And we can say, wow, that was awesome. That was great. But did you realize this? It's even going to be more intense. When we thought we've seen enough, guess what? Here comes the Feast of Tabernacles. Here comes the greatest feast of all. And the, and the writer Hosea said this, that during this particular time, during this feast that is going to happen in the first month. Now he's talking about that month that you know, because it's, remember, the Jews go by two calendars. And, and here's the thing: if, if you if you ever study one of the one of the uh, the writers uh, in in Jewish antiquity, referred to Hosea's comment about the first month. He said, "But it, it, you, it, this is going to be something. I'll, I'll bring it out to you later. You're going to get blown away by this." But he said, when he was talking about the first month, he was talking about the month of sevens. The Jews know what sevens mean. You talk to a Jew that really understands the significance of, of their numbering system, if you talk to a Jew about sevens, you know what? They know what that means. And he was saying, he's talking about the month of sevens. Remember, the seventh month. Okay? So, seven means... Uh, what did I say it meant to you? Uh, God's completeness, His perfection, and rest. So here we go. When Hosea was talking about this, he said, now here's the thing. The latter and the former rain, because there's only certain times of the year that the latter rain falls and the former rain falls. So depending on the calendar, and that's... That they use that term because it's, it's spoken by the agriculture calendar, the latter rain and the former rain. Okay, so here he says, that falls during this season, and this falls during that season. Okay, so, but, so, so that's what determined the harvest that came in during the different parts of the, the, the year. But here's, here's the thing about that last seventh month. Now, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this, because he said this. That Seventh month, that first month, which is, of course, the, the sacred calendar, that first month, this is what he said, the former rain and the latter rain are going to fall together. Ooh. So in other words, we're going to have 
two types of rain, spiritual rain, falling on the church. For those of us that are of that persuasion where we sit back and we say, I'm just going to write this all up because the Lord's coming soon. You better get ready because things are going to happen. Exactly. That's right. Amen. Things are going to happen. That's right. Amen. Amen. And it all is related to what he's saying here. So anyway, uh, uh, let's go to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23. And verse number, uh, we're looking at verse number. <clears throat> uh, I, I want, I'm, I'm, Using this reference here to bring out something, uh, verse number three in Leviticus 23, it says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. And holy convocation, ye shall do no servile work then. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And he goes on to say, These are the feasts of the Lord, and, and even holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. So we understand, we understand this, that even during the feasts, now, I think I mentioned this the last time, if, if, I, if I'm not, I don't know if I, if I remember, I may be wrong, maybe not to this, maybe not here. But here's the thing, whenever they had their feast, whenever they gathered together for their feast, they had Sabbath days that were what they call high days or high Sabbaths. They really fell on whatever time of the year during that month that they had a, you know, a holy convocation. So they were high Sabbaths. They were Sabbaths that were proclaimed. They weren't part of the weekly Sabbath. They were part of the feast Sabbaths. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So there were days that God, you know, the, the people of Israel had to obey God's will when it came to celebrating the feast. There are, amen, and, and now all that points to this. Remember, completion, rest, maturity. So God will... Bring into the church at different times that spirit where we his spirit where we can experience his rest, okay? Where we can experience completion, huh? Where we can come to a place where we can, you know, because you know what God wants us to come to this place of spiritual maturity. So, so we see this happening. We see this happening where, where when, when that takes place, there's a reason why the seventh month, all of this is taking place. Hallelujah. We're going to experience a Holy Ghost outpouring, amen, that is going to completely even be more, uh, how would I say, uh, awesome. in magnitude more awesome than Pentecost. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Uh, just let that settle in now. Let that settle in. So we see that. The, the whole reason is this. 
The whole reason is this, that God wants his people to come to that place of maturity, completeness, understanding. And, and for example, uh, how could I use this? How many of you in here like to drink soda? Huh? How many of you like, like Brother Robert Longshore? He loves sweet iced tea. Sweet iced tea. And, and when, he, when he drinks sweet iced tea, I mean, he doesn't fool around. He gets a big container. He loves that sweet iced tea. You go down to the south. You probably know this, Sister Walker. You go down south and you order a sweet iced tea. It is sweet. And you know what? You know what I heard Sister Longster say one time. We went out to eat with them when we was down the last time, and here he goes having this big old sweet iced tea. I mean, it was large. We went into this place, and you know what she said? Moderation, Robert. Moderation. <laughs> Here's the thing. We're going to experience the Holy Ghost in moderation. There's going to be a time when the Holy Ghost is going to fall upon us. We're going to experience it. We're going to feel it. It's going to, it's going to fall upon us. We're going to see, amen, manifestations of God's presence. Right. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. Because that's what is contained in the outpouring of this Spirit. We're going to see it in moderation. But you know what, that, uh, you know what the other side of that uh, uh, translation is this? It's going to be uh, an experience. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is going to teach us. Mm -hmm. It's the teaching reigns. Mm. And you can, you can, you can read a translation of the Hebrew in that particular passage. It says, the teaching reigns. Mm. So why would the, the teaching reigns fall on the seventh month? To get us ready. Mm -hmm. To get us ready. Wow. Now, I'm a stickler for this. I'm a stickler for this. The only reason why I understand this because the Lord, through his word, I'm a Lakota. Why would God want to speak to a Lakota? Well, he has his reasons. But guess what? He bore witness to what he revealed. He bears witness to what he reveals to his men, Amen. to his people. Amen. He always bears witness Amen. through his word. Amen. Here's the thing about this. If we understand 1 and 3 and 7, we're going to realize this. It'll substan substantiate our doctrine. Right. Amen. 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 That's right. Amen. Our teaching. Amen. That's right. But th this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord revealed. And this is what I know is going to happen. God is going to give everybody an opportunity to come to that place where they can receive. How are you ever going to reach maturity if you first do not receive, or you first receive knowledge. Right. Mm. Right. Hallelujah. So how many of you in here want to know the Lord? Amen. Amen. Raise your hands. Amen. If you want to know the Lord. Wow. Because during, during this, we're going to experience it. Guess what's going to happen? The Holy Ghost is going to quicken us. We're going to receive understanding. God is going to bring us to that place where we can, and, and, and you know what, you know what uh, falls in place with this now? 
You, you think what the Apostle Paul says here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we were right there at that particular chapter, verse, uh, chapter. Let's go back there. But look what he says here. Look what he says here in Ephesians 4. And uh, uh, this is pretty amazing to me. Amen. Because I know it's truth. And I know what God's intentions are for his people. But, but you see here, you see here, uh, look what he says. And he talks about that. Uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I don't want to go, I don't want to jump the gun. But I'm just, just to kind of give you a little, a little insight, a little understanding. I'm going to do that, okay? So, but I'll, I'll get into more detail later. But when we talk about the, the Feast of Trumpets, when we talk about the first day of that seventh month, there was the blowing of the trumpets, the memorial of blowing of the trumpets. They, they, the, who sounded the trumpets? Ministry. The priesthood. The ministry. Sounded, uh, you know what, I, I wish there was a, if there was a, I might be able to do it, but to be able to get together all those different trumpet calls that Israel you know, that the Lord gave to Israel. I mean, it's really amazing. I mean, it's pretty amazing when they heard that, you know, that's why Paul said that there's a certain sound that the trumpet makes. Right. They understood that there was long, long sounds, short sounds, uh, that when they heard, they knew what they were supposed to do. But when the trumpet is sounded on the, on the Feast of Tabernacles, the first day of the month, guess what? It's the ministry. And when, when, when all the Israelites and those that were out in the fields and, and in the suburbs and in the cities, when they heard that sound, you know what they, they, they realized? Hey, the Feast of Tabernacles is about to happen. We've got to prepare ourselves. Amen. So that goes out. And, and so, but guess what? Guess who's doing, guess who's doing the sounding? The priest, the ministry. Okay, so here's Paul saying in verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look what he says, until <clears throat> we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. The ministry is going to bring the body, the church, to that place of maturity, mm -hmm. of understanding. Hallelujah. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing that he says this. Look how he says it. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, as soon as he's, he's, he, he, he finishes making that statement, look what he says immediately following. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 
So here we see, here comes that number seven. Here comes completion. Here comes uh, amen. Maturity. Here comes rest. So here is, is basically So let's remember, number one. Now here's the thing. <laughs> I have a few minutes. I might just help you to understand. I don't know. Uh, when we talk about the Lord, uh, go with me to the book of Colossians chapter, just right after uh, uh, Ephesians there, it's Philippians. Go with me to the book of Colossians, which is right after Philippians. So you just turn over a couple books there. Philippians and Colossians. Okay. <clears throat> Look what he says. It says in verse number in verse number 16 in chapter 1, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Okay? And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell okay all fullness dwell hallelujah the number seven is significant all fullness dwell remember that of course we know we have that song the fullness of the godhead you know it's all in him it's all in him the fullness of the godhead is all in him we sing that okay but when we talk about the fullness of the Godhead, now remember this now. This is, this is doctrinal. We know that what God is? One God. One God. One God. But it says about Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. The fullness, now, now listen to this, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. All right? So when we talk about fullness... The fullness of the Godhead. You go over into uh, the book of Revelation. And, and you go over uh, in chapter uh, 3, I believe it is. And... Hallelujah. We see here. We see here in chapter <clears throat> 3 in verse number 1. Look what it says. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Huh? And the seven stars. 
I know thy works, that thou hast a name, and that thou art and that thou livest and art dead. But look what he says. He said, uh, that have the seven spirits of God. Huh? Mm -hmm. And you go over into chapter 4 there, in verse number 5, and look what he says. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. God. So we see here. We see here. And you, and, and you go over into verse number 6 of, of, of chapter 5 there. And look what it says. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Does everybody see that? Yes. Having seven horns. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So here he's talking about, basically about Jesus, isn't he? Yeah. The seven spirits, in him all the fullness of God dwells. Huh? Yeah. Remember God is one, mm -hmm. but you know what? He's also seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So he talks about the seven spirits, and he talks about the seven horns, and he talks about the seven eyes. Mm -hmm. And he says, they are, what do you see? They are sent forth, the, the, the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of this. You know, we, we talk about, when we talk about the seven spirits, we're talking about the fullness of God. We're talking about being able to experience the fullness of God. And if you go with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, I think I shared this with you before. And I'll let you get there. Isaiah, chapter 11. Chapter 11 and verse number 1. This will be my last scripture verse for today. Okay. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And look what he says. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay. That's one. One. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. There's one Spirit. The spirit of wisdom, two. The spirit of understanding, three. The spirit of counsel, four. The spirit of might, five. The spirit of knowledge, six. And of the fear of the Lord, seven. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we see all this contained. Now let me tell you something. These are what we would probably call attributes hmm? amen so when we talk about the fullness of the Godhead being in him that's what he was full of of course the John said when he seen him he seen him with seven horns and seven eyes and he said these are the spirits of the seven spirits of God mm -hmm. so here's the thing if we are to experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the seventh month 
If we are to come to completion and maturity and rest, guess what? When God pours out the Holy Ghost upon us, I believe this. God is going to give us all these same spirits also. Amen. Hallelujah. Then we will know. Then we will understand. We will have wisdom. We will have understanding. We will have counsel. We will have might. We have knowledge. The fear. We will have all this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. We'll stop there for this morning. I wanted to put that in there before we go on any further.